You are listening to the Fancy Free Podcast, where my girlfriends and I tell our most embarrassing, funny stories so that we all feel less alone in our imperfections and forge connection through vulnerability and humor. I'm Joanne Jarrett, and I'm your host. And today I have with me a new girlfriend, Shalini Samtani, and she is actually the sister of a recent guest that you might remember Sheena Melwani. Let me tell you a little bit about Shalini. Imagine that you check your six-month-old into the hospital for what you perceive to be a simple fever, but instead find out that your child has been diagnosed with a rare disease for which there is no cure. No mother or family should have to endure this, but it was from this traumatic personal experience and many months spent alongside her own child at the hospital that Shalini became a social entrepreneur founding the Spread the Joy Foundation a registered 501c3, and Open the Joy, both with the unified mission of spreading joy to hospitalized kids in the form of activity kits designed to heal through play. Shalini, thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, thank you so much, Joanne, for having me. I just love the mission that you're on, and I love listening to your shows. They're just so bubbly and full of fun. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. I cannot wait to hear more about your businesses. It's such a unique enterprise. Not only are you, hopefully, and sometimes it doesn't happen right away, but not only are you generating income now from this perceived need that you found out about through this traumatic event, but you're also doing philanthropic work with it. And I love it. I mean, I I just think this is the most amazing making lemonade out of the worst, biggest, most awful lemons that I've ever heard of. I have two children and they've actually never spent a night in the hospital. I just can't even imagine the the pain and the fear and the paralysis that would come from getting a diagnosis like your child got. Tell me a little bit about that. You know, what you said is 100% correct. It's just such a traumatic experience, not only for the child, but truly for the parents as well. There's a saying that goes, you know, children feel pain, but parents are the ones that suffer. You know, we go through that mental trauma. And in many ways, I'm sure that many parents have been through what our family has been through will say that they draw so much inspiration actually from the child because the child is just able to like a butterfly jump from one moment to the next, the painful moment is over when they get a needle or there's a test that's uncomfortable for them. But then in the next moment, they just want to be a child again. And I think seeing that jumping back and forth between moments of difficult moments and then happy moments two seconds later was a great learning experience for me. It was just incredible to watch my child be able to do that. And I felt like, God, I can really learn from this. Yeah. Wow. There's just so much emotional flexibility and the capability to compartmentalize is a really, really useful coping mechanism. And I think sometimes as adults, we kind of lose that. You know, that's really interesting. I'd never thought about the fact that kids are definitely more skilled at living in the moment than adults are. Hmm. Absolutely. And it's so so amazing that you say that because I remember when my daughter was going through putting an IV in or something like that, and she was very young then, but I would tell her, this is a bad moment. I know this is not fun, but it's going to be over in the next moment. You know, Mm. I think she remembered that in the next moment, it was true. It was over. So there's no need Mm. to hold on to it. And they just have this ability to let go, laugh, live in the moment. So yeah, I'm very proud of her (laughs) and I'm proud of all children that way. Yeah. And if you wouldn't mind, will you walk the listeners through that time period right around the diagnosis? Yeah, absolutely. My daughter was only eight months old. We thought she just had a regular fever, but she wasn't going to the bathroom. So we were worried about that. We thought she was dehydrated. 
and we just took her to the ER. But when they ran her blood test, they saw that some of her numbers were significantly off and they didn't know what to do about it. So they said, we're going to transfer you over to CHOP, which is the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. That's one of the top hospitals in the country. I remember the faces, like you can read people's faces. Oh, yeah. And I remember the faces of the nurses. And even though they were wearing masks, I could see in their eyes that something was wrong, you know? Yeah. And they were just waiting for the head doctor to come talk to us. Mm. And I think me and my husband, I don't know if it was just denial or unrelenting optimism, you know? (laughs) We just said, nope, but this is still working. This organ is still working. This organ is still working. This organ is still working. (laughs) On the positive. (laughs) Yeah. I remember we even had like a board up when we were transferred to the IUCU and things were really serious. Like we had a board up with all the things that were working and we would put those up and we wanted to focus on those every day. And I think it's just God's immense grace that she came out of it. And she relapsed a few times, but every time she came out of it, and then she just got stronger. And now she is okay. She's doing really well. We, with God's immense grace, and I knock on wood, we haven't had a relapse in a few years. Hey. One of my favorite memories post this entire hospitalization was about two years ago when I was putting the website together for Open the Joy. There was a picture that I put up of me, her, and my son walking through the hospital. And she looked at that. And she said, who's that? Mm. <laughs> I said, that's you. She goes, I was in the hospital? And I was like, wow, oh my God, this is the happiest moment of my life. She doesn't even remember it. You I know? love that. What a blessing. What an amazing miracle that is that she just didn't dwell on those things and they didn't imprint. The amazing thing is like what she thinks hospitals now are like these places where you get these amazing joy boxes. Because <laughs> since the start, she's made joy boxes with us. And then now that the foundation makes them in another location, she still comes and she makes the joy boxes. So she's like, man, if I go to the hospital one day, I get to get a joy box like this, you know? <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's what you think of hospitals. That's great. This is a good way to find it. <laughs> well, fill in the blanks. What did we miss about who you are and what you do? I don't think you miss much. (laughs) I basically run Open the Joy, a company that makes products, toys, activity kits for all children. So we started off making, you know, our feel better box. The way that started was really, you know, when my daughter, we would have to go to the ER, you know, we'd have to check in again. I just created like this box of activities that, you know, you could grab right away in those stressful moments to kind of distract the child. Because what's happening in that moment is that you at check-in are required to like fill insurance papers, speak to the doctor, speak Mm. to the resident, speak to the fellow. And you have this child who's sick in your arms. It's just such a stressful moment. So I created like this feel better box and it was literally like just activities that a child can do in that moment. And as well as like during hospitalization where they have limited mobility, they have limited dexterity and, you know, to just lift spirits, like positive coloring posters, games, laughter is like the best medicine. So it was filled with jokes. It was filled Mm. with magic tricks. So that's what I created. And then what happened after that was that, you know, it became something that we manufactured, but what I got a lot of feedback in the toy industry was like, we really like this, but Hey, wait a sec. Can't this apply for kids who are fine as well? And I was like, yes, that's really interesting. I love the idea. So we created a rainy day box and a, you know, on the go. So like when you're in the car and that's what I was thinking about traveling on the airplane. Help. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) this concept of a child being sedentary, you know, they can't really move as much. Mm -hmm. And how do you keep Mm -hmm. them entertained? off of their screens. Yes. My whole philosophy was like to turn this time out into a time in. So we're stuck here together. Let's bond. So everything that we create in our entire collection of toys is all bonding based, like conversation starters or grab and go jokes. 
So tell me, how in the world did you know how to do this? What is your background? Oh my God, nothing to do with this at all. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Actually, I think everything just culminated in my life into this one project. I went to law school. So I graduated from law school. I did the New York bar and then I ended up going back to school. I went to FIT and I did a design degree there. Wow. It was crazy. I had this legal kind of analytical side of my mind. I always had this artistic kind of passion within me. So I did the degree like while I was pregnant in night school, and then I graduated from that degree. And then my daughter was born. And as soon as she was born, eight months in, you know, she was diagnosed and we were in and out of the hospital for, for the next three to four years. And then, you know, that's when it was just like all this energy, this energy of this attorney, this energy of, you know, somebody who'd been in and out of the hospital, this energy of somebody who just wanted to spread joy, my creative background and an angry mom, oh, you know? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to make something positive out of this if it's the last thing I do. Yeah, it was like all this energy that came out and said, no, I know I know how to make joy boxes. I know how to do this. Oh, <laughs> I know how to do no. this really well. And then I just started making them on my kitchen table. And we made the first 30 and delivered them, then became 60, became 90. The number went up wow. and up and up, and then it turned into a foundation. So now, you know, I work with a whole team where we're delivering to over 70, 80 hospitals in the country right now. I love it. One year, we went from like my dining room table to 10,000. From 10,000, we went to raising 100,000. From reaching like eight hospitals, we're reaching 70 hospitals. This is how like just the whole thing comes together, like full circle is that because I started Open the Joy, I knew how to manufacture now. You know, when we formed the board for the Spread the Joy Foundation, it was like, oh, okay, I know how to manufacture this. And once we manufacture this, the, the financial minds on the team are like, okay, we'll raise the money you manufacture. They're raising the money. I know how to manufacture. And now we're going to be importing containers of joy boxes that are going to be going directly to hospitals. So hospitals are going to have like a login system where they just go on, they order the number of boxes that they want. It connects to a third-party logistics company that will ship it directly to them. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. And that's the teamwork. That's really the teamwork, you know? I have designed a line of women's loungewear and I don't have any background in fashion or anything, but I can sew. So I made a prototype and then I went to a pattern maker and I had patterns made. And then now I'm having this line of clothes manufactured. It's such a steep learning curve and it's really, really frustrating. But I'm like, no, now I've learned all this stuff. I want to be able to do another season of it because now I think I can actually make this happen, you know? Yeah. You came into this with the confidence of somebody who's like, well, I know I can learn new things. You totally pivoted, which I think is so fascinating. You went from law to design, very similarly to how I went from medicine. I was a stay-at-home mom a long time. Then I went to writing and then to designing women's loungewear. It's like, you just never know what your future holds and you never know what your experience is getting you ready for. You have to be open to it though. And you have to be ready to say, I'm going to lay this part of myself to rest for now. I'm sure it'll come in handy later. Yeah. You know, there's this wonderful quote that I just read by Warren Buffett. He said, you know, really the best friend of the young entrepreneur is patience. And he said, you know, you can't have a baby in one month by making nine women pregnant. It's just not possible. I love it. <laughs> I love it too. And I was like, yes, that's so true. I feel like the learning curve is like flat, 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 flat. And all of a sudden it skyrockets up because it all just clicks at one moment that, oh my God, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. And they all those yes. skills combine. And all of a sudden you're doing what you never thought you'd be doing, but now it's so fulfilling. You're going to get discouraged, but you have yeah. to you have to push through the discouragement and not give up. 
Yeah. I was selected by the Tory Birch Foundation for female entrepreneurs. <gasps> they select 50 upcoming businesses in their, their infancy kind of stage. That's amazing. Yeah. And I was really inspired by what Tori Birch said. In one of our first kickoff calls, she said, negativity is just noise. <laughs> you know, I think her parents told her that growing up. And her story is super inspiring because she launched the year after 9-11 hit. Can you imagine, you know, like she was so excited to launch this line, but she didn't quit and look at where, where the line is today. So don't quit, Joanne. Just keep at it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I will. I'm going to. <laughs> Luckily, if it's something you're passionate about and you love, then it's like also I'm enjoying myself along the way. You know what I mean? It isn't like somebody yeah. gave me this assignment and I'm just slogging through. It's something I gave birth to inside my head. Yeah. When I look around and I see you know businesses that are thriving, I don't necessarily find that they have the best product, but what they do do is they deliver. You know, yes. as long yes, as you yes, deliver, yes. that's all you need. Like in life, you just need more people who do what they say that they're going to do. Well, that is for sure. And when you are someone who delivers and you're relying on other people in order to deliver and they don't deliver, it's like, wait, what? What do you mean? Yeah. You're just not doing what you said. So yeah, part of that is learning the things that you can outsource and how to outsource them to people who are as trustworthy as you are. And it's a fascinating journey. It is. When I did that first round of manufacturing, I actually flew down to China and I stayed there for like three weeks, literally wow. going into the factories every single day, like working myself along with the staff there. It was incredible, that experience. And I understood, okay, this is the challenges that they face. This mm -hmm. is how I have to clean up this process to make it easier for them. And the amazing part about this is that when it came time for us to manufacture for the foundation, I knew how to do it in like 30 minutes. It was like I was on Monday.com. I pulled out a form and I was like, chick, 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 send out these eight emails, send out these prototypes, and it was done. And I was like, I done. just can't believe how quick that was the second time around, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what I keep telling my husband is I've worked so hard to get all of my processes in place. Now I want to be able to use it. Yeah. You know? Like, now I know how to use it, much less painfully. <laughs> well, let's do the rapid fire questions. If you had to describe yourself in one word, what would that be? Eccentric. Really? Absolutely. I'm an acquired taste. I'm just not a people pleaser. I'm not like, I'm not somebody who gets along with everybody. I'm just really eccentric. I'm very true to who I am. And people who know me just love me or they don't get me. All right. What's your strangest family tradition? You're going to like this one, but we have the tradition of pull my finger and I'll fart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm going to give you the background for this and why we adopted this as a family tradition. It's because when my daughter was in the hospital, I heard this podcast about these clowns that actually went to hospitals to make children feel better. Like that was their gig, you know? And on the podcast, the clown said that, you know, sometimes you'd have like older kids and their parents and they would just think they're too cool for the clown there until he farted. The minute he farted, he would have the kid look at the parent, the parent look at the kid, and all of a sudden, a connection was made. Everyone's laughing, and oh, I love that. And I'm like, wow, there is science behind a fart. It is completely free of charge. It creates so much joy in that situation. Some people can do it on command. Yeah, and you know, I tried this one day. You know, I felt like farting, and I gave my kids my finger. And they pulled it and the way they burst out in laughter. And I'm like, why do we shame this? This brings so much joy, completely free of charge. You know, this oh is great God. entertainment. I love it. My mom hates it. <laughs> oh my does. God. She's like, what are you teaching your children? Because now anybody needs to fart. We just go give the finger and everybody has a good laugh, you know? <laughs> 
But my mom was like, this is disgusting. What are you teaching your children? I'm like, look at the There must be like some science. It's like endorphins that are released or something. Oh, totally. <laughs> you know, not to do it outside the house. <laughs> when yeah. I told you I was coming on the podcast and I was going to share this, you should have seen my mother and husband's face. They're like, are you for real? <laughs> Is this what you're going to tell the world about yourself? I love it. The motivation for me was when I heard that podcast with the clown, he said, it automatically takes you home. Where else can you fart without feeling embarrassed or you have to hold it in really, right? Okay. If you knew you could not fail, what would you do? I think you basically would do what you're doing. (laughs) But let's do it. I think I would do a lot more than I'm doing right now if I knew that I couldn't fail. And I think any parent who has seen their child go through any type of suffering would just want to hear the suffering of all children in the world. You know, I do what I can because it's easy. I make joy boxes. It's not that hard, but I wish I could do more. Like I wish I had the medical and the scientific background to actually like cure diseases. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What's your love language? Oh, affection. hundred percent. Touchy, feely affection all day, all morning, all night long. Like we have a tradition in my family called the snuggle sandwich where I'm the bread, my husband is the bread. And then our kids are like the, you know, the cheese or the lettuce or whatever we want to put in the sandwich. And, you know, we have to start our day like that. Like we're miserable if we don't start our day like that. Oh, that's so sweet. It was a book I read. When my daughter was young, we just got a book from the library called The Snuggle Sandwich. And I just loved it. The minute I saw it, I'm like, yes, this is us. We are The Snuggle Sandwich. And we just started doing it. I love those family shorthand phrases where it's like, Snuggle Sandwich, and everyone just assumes the position. And they all get this like endorphin (laughs) rush out of it. Oh, it's so cute. And my husband, he doesn't have the same love language as I do. He's one of those people who's in actions. Like my gas will always be filled in my car. I don't even have to think about it. That's his love language. But me and my kids, we're all snuggly, you know, we're all the lovey type. But if he goes to get his coffee, my kids will be yelling at him, hey, you missed the snuggle sandwich. Get back here. You can make our lunches later. What are you doing? I know. Like, don't worry about the snow that needs to be shoveled. That's not important. Come here for the snuggle sandwich. Like, get your priorities right, you know? Oh, that's so cute. I love it. What's your superpower? I would say probably empathy. I think from a very young age, I've been able to look into a situation and read what a person is feeling. I think that's why you were so good at reading the faces of the people in the hospital. It's a blessing and a curse, right? Because you're definitely feeling the feelings of other people. Empathy is a good thing, but it's also sometimes like you take on somebody else's pain. Yes. And I think like, you know, for me, a big part of like when we left the hospital and we were kind of cleared, you know, like not really cleared, but we were like, okay, you know, we're okay. I couldn't forget the moms that were still there. I don't know how to explain it. It was weird because when we're in the hospital, like a lot of the time you would want to spend time with these other parents and see how their children are doing. I stayed away from them for the most part. Like if I saw if another mom was inside of the lunchroom, sometimes I wouldn't go there because I could barely hold my pain. I didn't think I was in the position to hold somebody else's. So I think that's maybe a big part of the reason why I do what I do is that, you know, just the thought of the parents there with their kids, it just still kind of hurts me. I don't know how to explain hurt is the wrong word, but I still feel that. So that's why I always just, I, you know, the best thing I could do is just keep sending the joy boxes. You know, that's all I could do. (laughs) And you know what? It is huge. Just coming from a mother's perspective, a doctor's perspective, a patient's perspective, because it's not only something that keeps the child bright, happy, and entertained, 
and can distract them from pain. But also the hacks that you share with the parents really empower them. Yeah. Check with the child life specialist. Find out the floor that has the best fresh coffee. There, these are things that you would learn over time if you were in the hospital for a long period of time. But if you can just set those up on the first day, not only are you improving the creature comforts and the quality of life of that parent while they're in the hospital, but you're giving them something to do and sort of a purpose. And that is huge. Yeah. And I think a big part of why I do what I do is that I know if the child is smiling, automatically the parent feels Mm. better. Oh, you're so right to see my child smile or laugh. It is soul food for me. And that is what parents need in that moment. So that's why we put those hacks in there because I can tell you from experience in that moment, a parent's mind is so consumed with its own worry that it's hard to still be a parent at that moment. Mm. But like if you open up one of our activity books, there's jokes right away. And I'm like, oh, okay, let me tell some jokes. I wouldn't think of telling jokes unless it was thrown right in front of me, in front of my face, in front of my hands. Like tell jokes, this yeah. is good. And the jokes are provided right over there for you. You don't have to come up with them. Yeah, and like do a magic trick. Like that wasn't what was on my mind to do a magic trick. But if the magic trick is right in front of you and all the materials to do it are in that box, you're doing a magic trick all of a sudden in this really dark place. You're creating these yes. incredible memories and moments of joy. I personally felt like I didn't have that help in that situation. The people that really did help me a lot were Child Life Services. They are the unsung heroes of the medical profession. And they really helped because they knew how to do this. And I would watch them like, wow, they know what they're doing. They know how to turn things around in here. They know how to change the morale. And I just kept on watching them and learning from them and then seeing what materials they were using. And that's how with working with them, we develop our repertoire of materials that go into the joy boxes that we send out to hospitals. Wow. Okay. What's the most amazing thing you've ever won? Oh my goodness. When I was, I don't know, maybe 13 years old, I was at a school dance and, you know, a 13 year old Indian girl with like a mustache that's been bleached blonde, (laughs) looks really awkward. And there was not a single boy who asked me to dance, you know, (laughs) there I was. And then all of a sudden the DJ said that he was going to have a dance competition. And, you know, there was a prize that was going to be given out. I'm like, Hey, Whitney Houston, all the way greatest love is the love of self I could I got this you know I can do this and I went in the middle of the dance floor and I started doing running mans and uh you know this was the 90s I started doing what are those worms on the floor and spinning yeah. on the bottom I did it all and I won the prize <laughs> they gave me this walkman <laughs> you guys remember what a walkman is I got a walkman that I that I won <laughs> that dates you I love it <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know what a Walkman is. <laughs> I bet you a lot of your listeners don't know what a Walkman is. <laughs> I'll put a picture of a Walkman in the in the show notes for you, younger yeah. people. <laughs> but I was very proud of myself that night. I went home with my yellow mustache, but still proud that I had won a Walkman. <laughs> That's so cute that you describe yourself that way at that age, because I swear every person would describe themselves in some way similar at that age. I was embarrassed to be alive at the age of 13. The fact that you got out in the middle of that dance floor and killed it, it's like, I just want to give that girl a high five. That is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you. All right. Well, as you know, the point of this podcast is to share some of our not so fancy moments so that everyone knows that everyone has these moments and that we are actually better off when we share them with each other because we can give each other the gift of laughter and relatedness and bonding. So what do you have for us today? What are some of your not so fancy moments? 
So one of my not so fancy moments goes back to my husband. (laughs) When I was giving birth to my second child, it was during the World Cup match. And my husband and the doctor decided that while I was pushing, like this was the end, they'd taken me off the epidural, my face had blown up into like, you know, little capillary bursts, you know, all over my face, Uh pushing so hard. And the two of them are sitting there discussing the World Cup. And I was like, what? hello, hello, he's crowding. They're like just in this deep conversation and the baby was crowding and they're like, you know, at the opposite end of me because the baby's about to come out. I'm like, can you check? Can somebody check and start pulling from the other end, please? The baby's going to fly into the air. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I was like, I'll never forgive my husband for that moment. <laughs> I'm going to punish him by giving him a hundred uh, snuggle sandwiches. <laughs> yes, yes. I was going to say, beat that man with a wet noodle. No, make him participate in a hundred snuggle sandwiches. <laughs> Every time you hear the phrase World Cup, he's in for a long one. <laughs> exactly. That's a good one. That's really a good one. Every time I hear the phrase World Cup, I'm going to smother him with a snuggle sandwich. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is so crazy. Well, okay. This make it makes sense in a way that it was your second baby, right? Yes. <laughs> like if it had been your first baby, he would not have dared have yeah. a conversation like that with the doctor. But then the second baby, it's like, ah, we're good. <laughs> but what was that from the doctor? Like, you know, I know my husband's very charming, but come on, like, <laughs> you have a job to do. Yeah. Make sure you do it. Help a girl out. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and the worst part is the epidural was off. So yeah, I was so you are not everything at this point. Yeah, you're like, remove this baby from within me or you will pay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Okay. Tell me you have a story about your mom. Tell me about that. When you know we, we reached out to each other about this podcast, I was filling out the intake form. I was like, my mom is really the person you need on this podcast because <laughs> She's a series of embarrassing moments. You know? She's so goofy and she does all these things. And the best thing about her, she dusts herself off in a second. Like, oh, she doesn't God. care. She's like, oh, well, life is too short. Move on, you know? When, my, when we were young, my mom was trying to get somebody to help out with the housework. And this was like before there was cell phones and GPS and any of that stuff. So she told the nanny that she had interviewed over the phone can you please take the bus to this location, get off of the bus, and I will pick you up from there and drive you to my home. And the nanny said, okay, I'll be wearing a black jacket and some black pants and my hair will be up in a bun. So my mom said, sure, no problem. So she goes to the bus stop and she sees a woman there with black pants, a black jacket and her hair in a bun. And she tells her, hey, get into my car. (laughs) So the woman says, okay. So she gets into the car and then my mom drives her to her house and my mom t- brings her to the house and she shows her the whole house and she shows her where the washing machine is and where the dishwasher is and everything. And then, you know, after this entire introduction, like 20 minutes later, the lady says, why are you telling me all of this? Oh my gosh. And she goes, what do you mean? Why am I telling you all of this? She goes, so you could clean my house. So the lady's like, woman, why would I want to clean your house? Oh my gosh. I, I know, right? It's a surreal, right? This is a random so <laughs> this random stranger just yes. lied and just yes. hopped in the car. Yes, got in the car, saw the tour of the house, saw where the washing machine was, saw where the dryer. Was. So my mom was like, So then why did you get into the car? 
And she was like, because you asked me to. So my mom said, okay, if you don't want to clean my house, you can leave. So she says, well, can you drop me back to the bus stop? Can you give me a ride back to where you found me? Yeah. So I was like, well, yeah, I guess I have to go there anyways to pick up the right nanny. <laughs> That's hilarious. I cannot believe that. Okay, here's the thing. If you saw that on a TV show, you'd be like, come on, nobody would do that. But they did. She did it. <laughs> and I swear to you, Joan, my mom's life is a series of events like this. I don't know how she does it. So she drops her back. And then lo and behold, right there is actually another woman wearing black pants, a black jacket, and her hair in a bun. Imagine her confusion when she sees this lady just like her getting out of the car I she was expecting. Me that happened that they looked at each other. They both kind of looked at each other and the other one got into the car. That's so crazy. <laughs> These are true stories. I, I don't make this up. If you made it up, nobody would believe you. I know. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh my gosh, you've got me out of breath. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. (sighs) Okay, it's time to talk about life hacks. Do you have a life hack for the listeners? You know, I think it maybe goes back to what I said before. My my, My life hack is almost the opposite of a life hack. And it's really learn to take the time to do things. I think we're always in a rush to get something done, always in a rush to to finish the next project. And, you know, I found that sometimes when you partner with time, like you just leave a project Mm. aside for a little bit of time, the answer comes and it comes better than you could have done it if you had rushed through it. Oh, yes, that is such a good point. I've definitely noticed that in my own life that we just, my, my parents just built their house and some of the delays were the biggest gifts in disguise because they they came up with something they absolutely loved, which they wouldn't have had time to dream up had there not been a delay. Oh yes. That that is so good. I I think the, my life hack is learn to become time's friend. You know, we're always racing against time, but like sometimes it really just takes time to do what only time can do you know? Yes. Tincture of time. That's actually a phrase in medicine, in medicine and patients hate it, but sometimes yeah. it's like we need all what we need right here right now is t- the tincture of time. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And you know what? It, I am a rush, rush, go, go to t- do 10 things at a time type of person. And it really creates a lot of anxiety in me. And if I yeah. can just remember to breathe deeply and act, if I actually I'll actually physically slow my body language down. And like if I'm folding the laundry, I'll think, just think about folding the laundry and have yeah. like this calm, quiet, slow body language. It's amazing how that can just bring your anxiety down and bring your focus in. And this is something I learned in my 40s, but man, if I could have learned it in my 20s, that would have really been helpful. No, absolutely. I've just, I've learned, I think it's, it, you know, there's a saying, youth is wasted on the young, you know? Yes, <laughs> yes, I agree. It's totally. Like, I, totally. It, it takes time to learn that time is your friend. It truly takes yes, years yes. to learn that time is your friend. You don't friend. learn it until you're more out of time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. I love it. What have you been loving lately that you think the listeners would love to? Um, I think I've really been enjoying TikTok. You know, I think, you know, my sister has been on it. So we all kind of go went down that rabbit hole of uh-huh. watching TikToks. But I find it's just such a great humorous platform. It's something that just started for all of us after the pandemic. I think it's, yeah. you know, 
you know, I tell people to get on there for good laughs and uh, just beware of the TikTok rabbit hole. <laughs> just beware just of that. Set a timer for yourself because you'll need it. <laughs> yeah. You guys, if you happen to not have heard the episode where I talked to Shalini's sister, Sheena, it is incredible. I will link to it in the show notes. Tell me about the hashtag boxes over baskets. So Boxes Over Baskets is a campaign that we're running for the Spread the Joy Foundation. We're super excited. And the idea behind it is for corporations, instead of giving corporate gifts out, they can try giving a joy box to a hospital child instead. So like instead of giving you know, a basket to this company or that company, we send a certificate saying, hey, you've donated a box to a child in the hospital during COVID. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but many children during COVID are required to go to the hospital without even their parents present. Like, I just can't breaks my imagine heart. I can't like checking your kid into the hospital and leaving, you know? Oh, uh, no. I absolutely love this idea because I hate the idea of spending a bunch of money on a bunch of stuff. And I love this because this is tangible. It's so wholesome and helpful and really eye-opening. And I just love it for so many reasons. Okay, tell us exactly how we can participate in Boxes Over Baskets. Oh, that's so sweet, Joanne. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm. To participate in Boxes Over Baskets, you can reach out to me directly. And uh, my email is shalini at spreadthejoy.org. And I think Joanne can put it in the show notes as well. Yep. It's very simple. You just reach out to us and let us know how many boxes you would like to donate this year to children on the behalf of your corporation and behalf of your corporate clients. And what we will do is we will make certificates and mail them out to you or email them to you, whatever you prefer, which says that, you know, in your honor, so many boxes have been delivered to so-and-so hospital for children during COVID. You know, the reason we really like the campaign also is because it's very sensitive at a time like this, right? So many people have lost their jobs and, you know, corporations that did well mm -hmm. during COVID, they also want to be sensitive in their kid back, you know, so it's a really nice yep. way to, to yep. be conscious of what's happening around us to show empathy, love, and joy for these children that aren't doing as well and to celebrate with them in a small way. I think it is so, so good. I'm so excited about that. I love it. Oh, thank you, John. Tell my listeners all of the places where they can find you. So it's super easy to find me. If you're looking for my company, it's called openthejoy.com, O-P-E-N-T-H-E-J-O-Y.com. If you're looking to volunteer for the foundation or to get involved in any way, or if you're interested in the Boxes Over Baskets campaign, check us out at spreadthejoy.org, S-P-R-E-A-D-T-H-E-J-O-Y.org. So that's probably the best way to reach out and find out about our companies. If you want to reach me directly, just email me. My email is shalini, S-H-A. L-I-N-I -I at spreadthejoy.org. Awesome. Okay. So this is actually really timely for people who are looking for unique Christmas gifts. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, Shalini, you are so much fun. You're one of the rare guests who actually made my nose run because that's what happens when I laugh really hard. I have my Kleenex in my hand. Oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're in the elite oh group of maybe four or five people now and you're number, I don't know, 80 or 85. That has to go on my LinkedIn profile. I made Joanne Jarrett's nose run. <laughs> I am truly fancy free. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. Thank you so, so much for being with me today. Thank you. 